Welcome to Discover Joyous Love with Anita DeFrancesco as your host. This is a hybrid of topics under the subjects of mindfulness, sexuality, and relationships. Hello, and welcome to Discover Joyous Love. I'm your host, Anita DeFrancesco, and we're back with you again. It's been about a month or two now that I've been gone, but I'm back with you. And today I have a very special friend, guest, and a wonderful human being, Jason Wise, my accountant, friend who is a, going to talk to us today about financial infidelity is our topic. And how does this relate to love? Well, you figure that one out because when it comes to love and marriage and relationships, money is always a big issue. Am I hello for a moment? Hi, Jason. Hello. How are you? Okay. Let me introduce you. Let me tell you a little bit about my friend guest here and my uh, personal accountant and friend. Jason is the owner and operator of Wise Accounting Services, a boutique accounting firm that services individuals and small businesses in tax preparation, tax consulting, bookkeeping, and tax planning throughout the greater Philadelphia metro area. And with a financial planning background, Jason has been able to provide a unique perspective on taxpayers' needs, Originally owned by his grandfather since the early 1950s, Jason has been operating this business for over 20 years. And also keep in mind, he does a lot of uh, virtual work. So if you don't live in the Philadelphia area, you can still consult him for services after you hear this and want to learn more about him. Welcome, Jason. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? You look great. It's great Uh, to see you. Yes, you do. Here we are on in the cloud somewhere right <laughs> i know i've loved this i know you and i've been trying to collaborate for a few months now and this is finally great to to finally do this together yeah so tell me you know how all about this your grandfather how you got started in your business you know what made you become um, a, a financial planner a, t- a tax consultant accountant you know what what how did you go about all this because i know your grandfather owned the business well, I always liked math. I always wanted to be in numbers because I love numbers because numbers are are clean. You know, there's no emotion in numbers, right? Numbers are the truth. So I always enjoyed it a lot. And, um, you know, I just wanted to find the right avenue to get involved in. And uh, luckily, my grandfather um, was kind of at the end of his career and he, you know, was trying to find a successor. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And you know, it just it just fit. We we walked it. We hit it off together. It was something I I enjoyed doing, and you know, I was just lucky to be able to do it. And more than more than anything, to be honest with you, I just got a mother much better appreciation for my grandfather because I didn't really know him that well. I know that's kind of a sidebar, but it was really nice to work with him because um, just kind of seeing him in this element, it just also gave me a real appreciation for the for the practice as well and how how much you know you could do for people and how much it, it really means to people. And from my own personal experience with you as my personal accountant and friend, I find you to be very easygoing. You're very uh, patient with your clients and you have a full understanding of their emotions and when it comes to money and what everybody is struggling with in, in this world. And really, it really boils down to the, the money issue, you know, and survival and that kind of thing, right? Doesn't it? Or 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, money is such a is such a powerful thing. At the end of the day, we're controlled by it. You know, as much as we want to be free and to be able to do what we want and have, you know, but financial freedom is everything. If you don't feel like you have the money to run your life, it 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 definitely affects your your mental capacity. It affects your life. You know, it affects everything else in your life. So, you know, having that financial freedom, you know, is is very, very, um, very, very important. And um, yeah, so you so so um, I I know that um, you know uh, I'm very pleased. I just want to say that when you do my taxes, um, I'm really pleased because it seems like you work at really uh, pleasing your clients and getting them the most money back by the end of the year. And and I've found that to be very successful working with you. But that being said, since our topic is financial infidelity, I would like to just start with a few questions like. Well, let's start with how taxes can affect relationships. Well, you know, taxes is one of the biggest financial things that's going to happen during a year, you know, because if you think about it, you do things throughout the year, but your taxes are are basically a one one shot thing. You have one shot per year to do that right. And, you know, it's very, very different. Our tax system is extremely different than other tax systems. Um, you know, I've had... Um, I've had access to other tax systems and in other places, they take the taxes out. There's no real filing done. You know, it's pretty much just you pay your taxes and that's the end of it. In our system, you kind of pay your taxes ahead of time. Some of us, some of us pay when we file, but it's kind of like a guessing game a little bit when you get to the end of the year, because sometimes you'll get money back. Sometimes you'll owe, but it's not just, it's not just like a, a quick thing. And so, um, you know, it's so important because a lot of your decisions can be built around taxes. And sometimes, unfortunately, people don't think about it enough. They make decisions sometimes without consulting me or without factoring in taxes. And then when they do their taxes, they find out that they made some really big mistakes. So tell me about about some of the experiences you have with these men and women and the gender roles and the different things like that. Let's get into some of what you, what you've experienced uh, to, to want to have this, this topic, financial fidelity. I know that you, you have a lot of couples that you work with or married people. You know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, marriage works because people trust each other and if they don't trust each other, it's not going to work. And infidelity is what you're traditionally thinking. Like, People have relationships outside of their relationships. They're having relationships with other people, whether it be, um, you know, a physical relationship with somebody else, whatever it is, it's it, it breaks the trust between the, the the couple and financial infidelity is the same thing. If you can't trust somebody to handle their finances correctly, you know, a lot of times when people get in relationships, they're sharing money together. Um, what they found out is what you'll see is that most people that are in a relationship are better financially in the most part because it's not just like one person that's bringing money to the table, but they, everybody, but the the couple has to be on the same page and have to be in harmony. And if that doesn't happen, then it really, you know, constrain a relationship because like I said, they're really relying on each other to bring both bringing something to the table. So if somebody's not handling their finances correctly or doing something that they shouldn't do, you know, then they lose trust in that person, just like they would, you know, in a. 
sense. Right. So so this whole thing with uh, the men and women and their, you know, say women work and men don't work. and, And how does that all is that like a big problem now? You know, if say she's the breadwinner. Now, you have a lot of successful women out there that and a lot of men that don't work. Woman. I mean, you know, how does all that fit in? I'm just I, I guess, you know, bringing that up, it's just interesting. I guess it's just interesting as somebody that's been in this business a long time and have kind of experienced different people. Um, and I really, that's the biggest thing that I enjoy about doing taxes is trying to just get to know people, understand their experiences, understand where people come from, their background. And it's just interesting when you take a step back and you look at like traditionally when I started probably before me, it was the man was going out and, and it, was, it was a man woman relationship. Obviously that's, you know, there's different genders now. The man would work um, and the women would stay home. And I think that, um, you know, the men, the, I, there was almost like, something that women, I don't know if we're told to do, but I felt like you would, you know, you might, you know, coming from your own experiences, you might know that a little bit better than me, but I think that it was almost like inferred that like women stay at home and they took care of the house and the men was out working. And that was kind of the way it worked. Nowadays, I think women have much more empowered, which is great. Um, Hopefully they're rising to the same equality as far as work goes, but there's dual income families now. And, you know, both, both spouses are working and they're bringing money to the table. And so I think roles have changed as far as like who's handling, you know, paying the bills, who's handling, um, you know, taking care of the children, taking care of the household. I think it's a much different split now. And what I find interesting, I guess, is like now women are much more empowered and you see them be more go-getters and, you know, really becoming successful. I have a lot of successful women that I work with. And I don't know if it's, and, and, it's interesting because when men were working, it seemed like um, they would they were fine with the women staying at home, being the housewife. Now I feel like when when women are empowered and they're working hard, I feel like sometimes that when they see that the man is not bringing that same energy to their to their to their working and making money, I almost feel like they kind of are you know sort of dis- disappointed in that. They want to see their their counterpart, you know working as hard as they they are they don't just they're not the, they're not looking at it the same way if if you know what i mean so with that so say the woman is the breadwinner of the family and in this day and age that is what we're seeing a lot of because um right. a, lo- a lot of men you know um there's like there's not that much employment out there for a lot of men these days or maybe both of them are successful in you know say for example you know, you got two business people, two entrepreneurial types or two professional like doctor, lawyer types, and they're both working. But if the woman is really the bread breadwinner of the family, how does that work with, is she supporting him? How should that be? How, how, how is the money being spent or spread is where does this, this all fit in as far as what, what and how they should navigate and and manage this whole. Well, I I think at the end of the day, it just matters, you know, they're, they're, they, talk about it they have to have good communication and whatever works for their family like i said it's not a, an issue that the, ma- the woman works and the man and the man doesn't work as much or makes less money it's just you know it's whatever works for their family because i have plenty of of times where the woman makes more money and it works and, and sometimes it does it but i just like i said in general i find it interesting that that there's plenty of women out there that are kind of disappointed when their male counterpart isn't a much of a, of a go feel disappointed and they end the relationship because they don't see that person taking a next step whereas 
historically, if, if the man was working and the woman was at home, they were okay with. But that, that was just more of a sidebar. I would just say in general, it's communication. If they're communicating and they're on the same page and, you know, they're making it work, however their finances work. Like I have a traditional family. Okay. I work. I work. My wife isn't a career person. She helps me with my business, but she manages the family and it works well, you know, in our situation. So, but at the end of the day, it just matters that everybody is on the same page, that the, that the two spouses are on the same page, um, that however they want, they, they, you know, they value, whatever their values are, they're in agreement and, you know, they're following that. So should, should there be some type of like segregation, like strategizing money and love? Like, should they pay bills separately or should they file separately or what should they should they be married or not? Say that, you know, a lot of these young people today don't don't actually marry. They live together for years. I know. Uh, they yeah. Used- I don't know if that's considered common law in Pennsylvania or any state, but in some states, yes. And uh, but how did how should they segregate? Should they pay bills separately? Should they be filing taxes separately? Maybe talk about that. How they should. Um... Well, it's funny you bring up common law because that actually ended uh, back in the nineties in Pennsylvania. You know how they recognized it, but a lot of people have been together a long time. So yeah, I agree with you that whether or not you're actually married or you've been in a long term relationship with somebody that you share business, bills with, it's almost the same thing really talking the same thing but i i think it matter i think it really speaks to how again that relationship is works because like you deal with so many different relationships so you know how it is with how these people are communicating with each other and how they are able to carry out their relationship relationships some people um you know are are good with you know with being apart from each other some are not some are good um you know, like I said, with, with, I guess, I guess I don't really, can't really speak exactly. Could speak better. I'm just saying that um, it, it really uh, depends on, on how they handle things. So, you know, you got different buckets of people. Okay. You have some buckets of people where it's like mine is yours and yours is mine. Right. Mm-hmm. So they don't look, they look at it, it uh, finances as a, as a communal thing. And they just handle everything together. Usually one person will take the responsibility, right? Usually the person that's better with the finances, or if one person is only one person is working, then the other person might might be the one handling it. And they will handle all the, a lot of the finances. Like in my family, even though I'm the accountant, my wife handles a lot of paying the bills, you know, and I go out there and I work. They used to say what, that one person's capitalism, they're making the money, the other person I'm capitalism. My wife is the government, right? She gives me my allowance, sort of. Okay, <laughs> I like that one. So I, I, think like, that I like that. A division of re- re- responsibilities is very important. But then there's also people that are, and, and this I think even speaks to people maybe not married more so, is that they divide up bills. And they say, well, you handle the mortgage. I'll handle the utilities. Is that a good idea? Yeah, is that I good? I think it's all good. I think as long as they're they that they divide up their responsibilities, and then when they do that, both people are doing what they say they're going to do. You're not going to have a problem. I have a lot. I think it's healthy to file separately if it makes them feel better. Like there's plenty of like there's okay. 
biggest misnomer, just thought I'd throw that out there, is that a lot of people think they have to file separately because um, another person owes back taxes or they have back student loan debt or they have some other way that's going to garnish that refund. And it's true that if you file separately, if you don't have to worry about your spouse's other financial issues. That's true. However, there is a form called an injured spouse form, which you can file with your taxes, which basically says we're going to file jointly, but we want you to figure out our taxes as if we filed on our own so that whoever is not the person that really owes any money back still gets their share of the refund. And that's a great way to kind of keep everything together. But many of my clients that file separately, they do fine because they they don't, they don't let that part of their they feel like, well, I don't want to be involved in their taxes. They have their own accountant or they have their own. Then they don't have to argue about it. So I think just you know, whatever works for that couple is is what you should do. Interesting. So you, you've had a lot of experiences where people kind of didn't didn't do, say, something like this and they kind of had a, a lot of problems later, maybe or or something. Yeah, so so go back and you know when I'm when I was thinking about this conversation and sitting down with you, I started to think about you know the clients of mine that are successful, the clients of mine that have not worked out, and I go and you know I'm only specifically thinking about you know how it relates to their taxes and because I you know a taxes is just a snapshot, but you can see when somebody's taxes what they're doing, and you can kind of get a little bit of an insight into how it was affecting them during the year. Like, for instance, I had somebody who had a lot of gambling winnings to report and losses to report. Mm, mm. Well, that ended the marriage because apparently this person was gambling too much and gambled a lot of their money away. So that, that and then I have another client that they didn't report a, a retirement distribution. And it found out that uh, the reason they took the money out was to pay their ex-wife like a settlement. And their current wife didn't even know. Mm. So if you do stuff like that, you know, that's just that's going to create a lot of, you know, issues, um, you know. So you can see through finances when people are not being behaving response responsibly with their money. And when they're like I said, when it goes back to when they're not on the same page or they're doing things like that. I feel like now more than ever, Anita, that you're going to see this more often where. Um, I think back in the day, it was hidden more because if only one person was working, like typically the male, as we were saying, you know, they could probably, you know, spend their money and maybe the other person wasn't paying as much of attention. Now, I feel like with, you know, men and women or whoever, I think I feel like they're both more actively involved in finances now. I feel like it's more more of a thing where you can you know you see that you see more money that's going on it's not there's like not as much cash going on right you see there's more like with more electronic payments so it's easier to trace things you're going to see more people be involved and know more about what each other is doing as well yeah so there is an infidelity that can happen like for example the retirement thing with that one one uh, couple that you worked with where he was uh, paying off the ex-wife or so i mean there's a sense of honesty and communication and this is part of love folks discover joyous love we are listening you're listening to the pod my podcast discover joyous love i'm anita de francesco 
And my guest today and friend, personal friend and accountant, Jason Wise here, he is talking uh, talking to us about how to strategize money, love, couples, what is the best way to do your taxes, financial infidelity will happen. It does exist out there. And so these couples say that, I mean, so you're saying not to really commingle monies or should people like the minute they, they, they get married, okay, I can see if they're young and they want to have children, they buy a house. It's the first time. What about those second and third marriage ones where they're older and they've already have grown up kids, but they decide they want to, you know, live in the home together now, buy a house together or share the house that they got from their ex or whatever. How does that all work with their money and taxes? Should they stay separate then too? Or, I mean, I that's, that's, like- that's the new way now is everybody's coming into that like second and third marriage. They're in their, you know, 60, age 60 is a prime age for that. Yeah. And uh, so well, what happens there? I mean, say I meet somebody and I bring him into my life here. Do I commingle my monies with him? Do we do, you know, we want to stay, grow old together, say, you know, I mean, how does this work? Well, I feel like I feel like a lot of times it's it's got to be a it's got to be a, a a little bit of a slow process. It's got to be a gradual process. I I think that you know having your own money is important. I think both of you being able to stand on your own financial is very very important. Um, you know, I think especially for women that in the past they felt like they were chained to a relationship because they didn't feel like they had their financial freedom. So it's good to have your own accounts and feel like you can stand on your own. Because you don't want that part of the relationship to burden it, right? You don't want to have the idea that you've commingled everything and now he's got yours. I had a really interesting one this year, um, and she's the nicest lady. Um, she filed with her with an with a new. Um, she just got married and she filed with her um, new husband, and he just came out of a relationship. They both had kids to claim, and she had adopted these kids, and she got these nice big adoption credits right and she filed and we were trying to figure out well, how much of that money was hers and we had done all this analysis for her so that she can get paid her money well make a long story short she's getting divorced now apparently the oh. guy she met kind of tricked her and apparently you know um i i don't remember the exact details of it, but let's just say it didn't work out. And now she's like, well, I filed a return with him with these adoption credits, which got us money back. And I had, I didn't get all that money. And now she wants to get that money back. Oh, you know? how do and you so, do that? You have to do a whole nother. No, I, made, I, I, that's a great question. I that's the infidelity right there. Yeah, That's just terrible. Cause I don't know how you would even unwind that. So, because, you know, we, they already filed together. So unless you can prove that, she didn't want to file together originally. The only thing I can think that they could do in this point is when they go through divorce, she would have me write a letter explaining the tax side of things. And so hopefully as part of the settlement, um, she puts in there like this was my money that he received. And therefore, that should be part of the settlement proceeds that she receives back, you know, when they're right. dividing when they're dividing money. Um, but that's really it. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're getting into a relationship, especially when you're older and you have kids, a lot of times people have their own finances already set up um, for their kids. And I, I think that it's best to, you know, to have maybe like a joint account, you know, for them to both work from and say, let's start with this joint account. We'll both put money, almost like a partnership, almost like you're starting a business, right? And let's each put money into this account, right? And we'll spend all of our money from here, but we still have our own money. You know, we'll still have our own money over here that we had that we're bringing into the marriage beforehand. But we have this account 
that we have together. And we'll start with that. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll work that together, but we'll still keep everything else separate and kind of gradually grow into it, you know? But again, it, it, go ahead. It, it has to be the trust there too, because I mean, you initially, you're older, you have your own money, you know, your exes both left you things for your kids. Why should you commingle all that, you know, with someone else? But then you, like you said, to build something new, start fresh with this, this, especially if you're older, if you're young, you're 20, you're going to want to have a baby and you, you sort of buying your first home. That's a little bit different, I think. But a lot of women I see right now, my age, 60, you know, around 60, I'm older than 60. <laughs> You know it on my tax form. Anyway, I don't look at it. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) I have a lot of friends that are my age in the 60s and they're getting with a a new love, you know, a new they meet someone new and they're being taken a lot of them. Like the, the, these guys are coming or, or, or women are going into their lives or they're, and they're all of a sudden they want, they want ownership of the house. They've been living in all their life, raising their children, you know, and they're moving and they're, 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 they're taking their money. They like, in other words, they're just kind of like coming into the relationship as if it was something that was from very young all, all along where you're right. They need to start afresh and create something different and new that would just suit the have to you know there is like hey i'm living in your house that your ex left you and now it's my house if we get a divorce i mean that that's all legality correct lawyers and stuff i mean this is what's happening and i see a lot of people in their 60s you know going into these second and third marriages and every everybody one or the other is 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 getting uh, the trust is 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 broke you know. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And you make and you actually bring up a really good point because how you look at uh, finances when you're young and you're getting into like your first you know big relationship and marriage versus people that are second and third marriages, you're you're one hundred percent right that you have to, you look at those two things as two separate ways of going about it. I totally agree with you. Right. Now, would you say that people should marry or shouldn't? If they're young, should they marry? Now, you know, the young, like, I don't know if they're called millennials anymore. What are they called? X-Gen or whatever they're called now. (laughs) I don't know what the new name is, but the millennials are old. They're old now. They're in their 40s. But what should I notice? Like my niece, she lives with a a boy. They've been together for like 20 years. They never they didn't get married. But, you know, they're 20 years together. So that's it. They're considered to be married. So should people get married or when they're, or if they're older, they should not even decide to get married. I mean, what is the story? Is do we You really know, it's need- funny. It's funny because that's what I love about being an accountant. I don't, I don't have any, like I empathize with my clients and I think that it's really important to make sure that you take the emotion out of it. You know, okay. I, I, I take the emotion out of it. I just talk X's and O's, you know? And, um, had this client who was married um she does very well for herself she's a manager in the medical field and she does really well her husband was disabled and that's not no fault of his own but he didn't make very much money right and so he ended the relationship he removed himself from the household she was very distraught she wouldn't have had nothing to do with him and i just basically said there and i you know the x's and o's was in the back of my mind like you got to file with him. He's got basically zero, you know, very low income. He's going to bring your tax brackets down and you're going to mm. save a lot of money. 
but I just had to explain to her, look, I understand that this didn't work out, but you know, even though you feel like you were emotionally screwed here, I feel like, you know, the best thing that you could do to get back is to get money from him by filing with him because you're saving thousands of dollars by filing with him. And, you know, even though you're kind of going through the pain of having to do that, you're still, you know, you're still, this is still going to benefit you. Mm. And, and it was hard for her. But when we, after we did it, she was so thankful. She said, thank you so much for pushing me through that. She said, I was really incredibly hard, but I just so much appreciate, appreciate, appreciate that you, you know, pushed me through that. And, you know, so it, it was, it's an awesome feeling when you do that. Um, so from, but from a tax standpoint, I'm looking at the numbers. Do I think people should get married? I think the instituted marriage is a great thing. Uh, I think there's some virtuous reasons why you'd get married uh, besides, you know, committing to each other. I think a lot of people commit to each other now without even having to be married. Um, there's common law in certain states have common law and there's domestic partnerships. So you don't have to be married. Um, but I guess from a from an accounting standpoint, you know, I always go back to the accounts. I guess that's partly what makes me a nerd. OK, but you know, when you're married, when you're not married, guess what? You have much more opportunity when you're not married. So oh, now that people are talk doing about that, more yeah, opportunity. So I'll, I'll explain it. I'll try not to get too in the granular granular tax terms, but let's just put it this way. When you're not now that people are dual income and a lot of people that are together will make similar incomes, right? It's not that often where anymore where one person makes a lot of income and one person doesn't make a lot of income unless, you know, they're in a situation where they have kids, right? And one person stops their career in order to kind of take care of the, the kids. But a lot of times, general people are making the same money. If you're not married, first of all, one of you can claim the kids, even if you had kids, let's say in the situation, one of you can claim the kids and claim what they call head of household. And the other one can file a single and claim, let's just say they have a house together and claim the house. So there is more deductions you can claim when you're not married, because when you're married, you if you file together, you have one deduction. And if you file separate, it has to be exactly in half. But when you're not married, one person could, could claim all these deductions and this other person doesn't need to, but it's not, it's, they're not dependent on each other. So there's much more opportunity when you're not married um, to take advantage of the tax code. Let's just put it that way. Um, so I feel like, I feel like being, you know, there are certain, you know, so I, a lot of times find that when you get married, it actually hurts you on, on a tax return. Mm. And if you're single, so I'm not, I am not a relationship. I'm not a marriage counselor. Obviously I'm not the person that's going to tell you to be married. I'm going to tell you this to, to live together and sin. Or I tell people I, this is the other one that was told to me. Someone told me they got married in like in the, in the far East, like Polynesia. Right. And I said, Oh, okay. You got married out there. Is it, is it legal here? She said, well, we haven't filed our paperwork here. So anytime I tell people that want to get married, it doesn't want to have to report that they're married to the U.S. I say, just go get a Polynesian wedding, okay? <laughs> they all get it. <laughs> this way you feel like you have that bond of marriage and you have a piece of paper, but it doesn't exist in the U.S., right? Yeah. So, so being single, they can get more benefits, huh? 
really they can't and a lot of and you know what's amazing i had a cl- a couple that was together forever and they got divorced because he wanted to get on health insurance so starting with obama they if, if, as you know i'm pretty sure you know anita that there was um a way that low income people not you from you may have know may know this i should say that people in certain income brackets can get um something called subsidy from the government there was called the government marketplace insurance oh yes that was that. they called it the obamacare yeah obamacare thank you thank you but but it was the subsidy when he when he when his term was done uh, it really wasn't called obamacare but it was called the subsidy uh but with obamacare though yeah so the, the thing is with with obamacare or subsidy you have to make a certain amount of money um and if you're and if and and if you're married you have to include your spouse's income Right. Mm-hmm. But if you're not married, you don't have to include your spouse's income. But if you're married and you want to file separately, you don't get the subsidy at all. So this particular couple got divorced so that he could qual- uh, This is a was a husband and wife so that he could qualify for a, for the best Obamacare. That he can get that he could afford their, their health insurance, Right, the marketplace. So he was able to because they go by your income, but together it would have been a stronger income. And they wouldn't have been able to get that marketplace, low price health insurance. So every time they come in, I always ask them, now that your guys are not married anymore, how, is, is, are you guys, you know, is things still Did it change anything in the romance? Yeah, they say, yeah, it's better, you know, it's better now. Well, a lot of the young people are, I think, uh, a little bit smarter than, say, my generation, because yeah. they're not getting married. And they may be filing separately. Like if one doesn't work, they can file for other benefits in the city. Like they can get those grants, LIHEAP, CAP, you know, with the uh, like with in Philadelphia, that is, you know, with uh, gas and electric and and even even food stamps. And like you could this person could be the breadwinner, say the woman in the house. But as a matter of fact, I know a couple. He she he don't work, really make as much as her. He hardly makes anything. So he's able to apply for like a marketplace health insurance yeah. unless he could be put on her health insurance with her job. But jobs really don't give you health insurance that much anymore. Yeah, that's not, now that's a really good point that you bring up, Anita, honestly, because what you're bringing up is something where if you have somebody that works at a job, if they're if they're married, then usually their spouse can go on their health insurance and it's and it's pre-tax it's not taxable um or so when they was so what happens is the the employer will provide a certain amount of money towards their health insurance and they will they will also pay some of it but they'll be able to do to do it on a pre-tax basis you can usually include your family so it is when you bring somebody on like a spouse yes they're considered part of your family it's pre-tax i think if they're domestic partners they can certainly be on their health insurance but I'm pretty sure that if they're not married and they're not common law, that that if they if if they put their family on their health insurance, they have to pay that after tax. So there is a tax benefit of being married in that situation. Okay. Um, if if okay. they're paying their towards their own health insurance. That's okay. So so interesting. So there's a lot of things to think about, and everybody's situation is individual. It's different. It's all depends on many. And the big reason why people are filing separate, and this is a really hot topic right now, to be honest with you, because, you know, right now in Congress, they're working or, you know, Biden has said there's student loans. I mean, you look at you look at the cost of college right now. It's absolutely ridiculous. People aren't even going to college or going to 
to trade schools, vocational schools. They're trying to find other ways of getting higher education because the cost of health of of education is just it's astronomical, right? Mm. So you'll pay forever, yeah. You'll, you'll pay, pay forever. And so a lot of people are going to school, and I still think schooling is great as long as you have a purpose, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, but the bottom line is it's great. Biden is trying to pass a law where when debt, when you're when you when you graduate from college, you have a choice of how you're going to pay back these student loans. You get financial aid um to take out loans to pay back and that you have to pay back. Now, how do you pay them back? Either you just pay them regularly or you try to go on some sort of um income-based repayment plan um where you can pay based on how much money you make. Many people will file their taxes separately because they only have to include their income on that income-based repayment. And so they pay a lot slower of a monthly payment if they file separately. Okay. So um, so, that, so that's a big and, – and so what I was bringing up about Biden is he's trying to pass a law in order – so what happens is with an income-based repayment plan, you pay for so many years, and then it gets canceled. Like oh, I think it's, right. I think it might be, I think it might be, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm remiss here. It might be 10, 10 years, okay, or 20 okay. years. I'm not a hundred percent, but there's a defined amount of time you have to pay it. And then whatever's left can get canceled, right? Okay. Obama is trying to um, say that cancellation of debt is not considered taxable income. Um, oh, so I know it's okay. kind of a sidebar. Cancellation of cancellation of debt is a completely different subject that I don't want your viewers or your listeners to get off on the get you know get off the topic a little bit on that. But the whole idea of student loan debt is a very very big thing, and so the only point I'm trying to make is a lot of how you know that is handled will determine how people want to file. Uh, it's just a big hot topic as far as like. You know how people are going to repay that. You know, are people going to have to repay their debt? But just the whole, you know, situation is very, um, is very complicated and, and certainly. Wow, complicated. for the love of money or the love of your beloved, right? We're <laughs> you're listening to Discover Joyous Love. I'm Anita Di Francesco, your host. Jason Wise is here with us. He is the uh, owner and operator of Wise Accounting Services, a boutique accounting firm here in Philadelphia. He can handle. A lot of your needs, if you're in the Philadelphia area, or even if you're outside the Philadelphia area in another state, he does a lot of Zoom, uh, you know, preparations for tax preparation, tax consulting, bookkeeping, tax planning. And from personal experience, he is excellent because he has been working on my taxes and I have a couple properties and this and that and the other. And he really, really does it so good. So I'm very happy with him. So, Jason, is there anything else that we should be talking about or am I missing before? You know, we don't have to close out yet, but we could. But what else would you want to? I mean, it's an individual thing with people getting married or not. And it all depends on their age and the factors. And if they have in what about inheritance? You know, like say you're you're on the second or third marriage and then you get this inheritance somebody dies and they leave you this money and and how does that fit in i mean does that i mean i don't know there's financial infidelity i know people who get inheritances and then their their new or third whatever uh you know spouse takes it or spends it or thinks it's theirs or whatever i mean that's that's a good question i mean i think that's you know 
I think that a lot of that type of stuff is more legal, you know, how they handle their finances. Are they, are they involved in some sort of prenuptial agreement? Um, but that's more of a legal issue as far as like inheritances. Cause I'm not, well, I, I understand the tax. A lot of times from a tax perspective, inheritances are not taxed. A lot of times inheritances come in as like cash income. Um, okay. Uh, the only time they're t- t- typically taxed to the individual is if they're, like a, a retirement account, either like an IRA or a pension, and the money um, gets directly transferred to the beneficiary, who is your client, we'll say in this instance, and they have to start reporting that on their taxes. But whether or not um, the um, the spouse can, can get access to that, I wouldn't think so. I mean, I would think that 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 well, would, when, or when you file the taxes, don't you have to do that? Should that's another thing that can go in if you're filing together, because you I, have to pay and don't you have to pay tax on that? Sometimes yes, you would, you would. So that's all. So so that I mean that's I don't think that would be considered marital assets. But again, I'm not a marital lawyer, so I couldn't tell you exactly how that goes. Um, but right. yes, you would have to actually pay taxes on it. I think that's kind of problem, and that you just kind of jog my memory on something. I think the biggest thing as far as taxes go is, you know how people pay tax, how they people pay their taxes, right? So when two people are coming into a tax return and they're filing their taxes at the end of the day, if they owe $500 or they're getting $500 back or they're getting a bigger refund or not owing money, you they have to have that conversation. What do they want to see with their tax return? You know, people, some people are like, hey, I don't save my money. I just spend it. $10,000 mm. refund at the end of the year. I'm going to Aruba, right? Some people, or I'm, whatever they're doing, right? Or some people are like, no, I do not want to give the government an interest-free loan. Screw that. I want my money. In fact, I want to owe them money because I want to put my money in a high-interest CD and earn my own money, and then I'll pay them because, you know, we know we all know the government isn't the best isn't the best with money. They're not fiscally responsible because look at the debt that we have, right? Okay. But at the end of the day, those two people have to be on the same page of how they want their taxes. Do they want it now, later, break even? What do they want? Both have to make sure that they're withholding taxes at a at a rate that's that um is so that nobody's, you know, I think it's it's less of an argument if you go into a return and you say, Well, you they ended up owing five thousand dollars. But who why did they owe money? Was it because one spouse was having a lot less taxes taken out than the other? Right? So they should be on the same page with who's, you know, are they okay with that? Do they, um, but it's just less stress when both people are, are having the right taxes taken out. So the biggest thing that I always tell people when people are, most people are still W-2, they work for an employer. They When they filled out their W-4, they filled it out as single, right? Now they get married. Oh, I'm married. I got to change my W-4. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because if you look at the tax brackets, you'll see that a married person, I'm sorry, a single person that makes $75,000 is in the same bracket as a married person that they make collectively $150,000, assuming they make the same amount of money. So if you change your marital status on your W-4 to married, right, your employer's going to say, okay, married rate at $75,000. They're not going to say married rate at $150,000. So they're taking a lot less taxes oh, out. Right. So yeah. I just usually tell people, don't touch it. Because those W-4s are complicated to look at, and I just think you should try to make it as simple as possible for people. So people out there, if you're married and, you're, and you and your spouse make the same amount of income, leave it at single married separately. You're not living in sin. 
You're not going to get handcuffed right. by the government. They're not going to say, oh, my God, you filed jointly, but you put single on your W-4. We're taking you to the slammer. No, you're fine. In fact, you're giving the government more money so that they can, you know, do right. what they want with it, whatever that is. So you're only making them happier. But right. really, you should both be doing married filing separately on your W-2. And then if you have children, only one of you claims if you have multiple children, you can break up those dependents on your W-4 however you want to. Just don't claim the same person on your W-4. And mm -hmm. you know, you'll be and you'll be fine. The biggest misnomer, and you know what's happened, Anita, is that they've changed the landscape of taxes. When Trump came in in 2018 and the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act completely revamped the entire tax code as far as like withholding. Standard deduction, itemized deduction, how you claim dependence, it just changed everything. And now the new W-4s, because even, even in when I do, I do payroll for people, you can still fill out information. So I think now a lot of employers are migrating to the new system. Just it, it caused a lot of issues. And I noticed a lot of people this year, 2022, when I did taxes, were owing money because of how their employers were now withholding taxes. So it's a big, big thing that people want to get right. Because once you set it, you're good. But when it's not right, just like everything else in life, it's it it just causes mm. more stress and chaos when you don't feel like you're, mm. you know, it's working out the way you want to on the return. All right. With that being said, I think that uh, we could probably, uh, I think if, unless there's anything else you want to add, we can probably you know, finish up here. Um, so I, what I'm going to say is that I think that people in general need to speak to their accountant and get some financial advice before making these, these decisions uh, about how they should file, what they should do, single, separate, married, whatever. Uh, they should speak with their accountant and, and you offer services of that nature where people can sort of get that guidance and that mentorship throughout the year so that they can, uh, when the end of the year comes, things are running much more smoothly for them and they're making the right decisions. I think that's the biggest thing. And it all really boils down to if they're young, they're old, and there's many different factors. But yeah, so I um, just want to say, if there's anything else you want to add, um, I think that you can tell us, maybe just tell us how people can find you. You've been listening to Discover Joyous Love and Anita DeFrancesca, my guest today is Jason Wise, a an accountant. Uh, he has an accounting firm here in Philadelphia and um, does tax preparation, tax consulting. And he's going to tell us where we can find him for for uh, advice and and, and uh, work and stuff. Okay, Jason. Yeah, so my so my website is www.wiseaccounting.com. My name is spelled W E I S like Sam Z like zebra. Um, so that's how it is, is on my website. So there's that website. Um, my phone number, you know, you can find all of my contact information on there. I do have a Facebook page with my with I have an owl symbol on there, so you can see me there. Um, yeah, and I'm in South Philadelphia, but like you said, I'm 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 fully um, cloud based now, so I work with people all over the all over the country for sure. Um, I just think what you said was so important. You know, you bringing up some great great uh, feedback to me. Um, about how important it is to speak to your advisor. I just want to impress upon how important it is to speak to a tax person because when you speak to 
uh, a financial advisor, you go to your bank, you have an IRA or you do something. I mean, people give tax advice unceremoniously. Un, um, they don't even ask for it, right? Clients don't even ask or people don't even ask for tax advice from some people and they feel like they need to give it and they don't know what they're talking about. They tell you, oh, you can, you know, you could just move this money. It's no big deal. And then people say, well, I took money out of my IRA. They didn't tell me I was going to have to pay taxes on it. And now I end up with this tax bill because people that are not in the right position to give tax advice are giving it. Mm. So I just impress upon people. If you work with somebody, just always try to run things through your accountant because anybody else that purports to know taxes that's not an accountant could be giving you bad advice. And and you won't know about it many times until, you know, a, you know, a year later when you're filing your taxes. So I think that's really, really important. And Jason Wise is available for you to give him a call, folks. Thank you for tuning in to Discover Joyous Love. I've been your host, Anita DeFrancesco. Our topic has been financial infidelity with Jason Wise, an accountant here in Philadelphia, and he is global. So please reach out to him. Thank you, Jason, for being with us today. My pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. Okay.